Blog Talk Radio. My name is Jean, and tonight I'll be chatting with co-hosts Amanda and Catherine as we rummage further through the contents of our recovery toolboxes. Hello, Catherine and Amanda. How are you both tonight? Hi, Jean. Hi, Jean. Nice to be here. It's nice to uh, hear you guys. I know we miss each other's voices throughout the week. We always enjoy when we get to come together and... And uh, really, maybe everyone should schedule phone calls and topics with friends so that they can (laughs) have these excellent conversations. (laughs) There, there you go. That's recovery tool number one. (laughs) Do they think? Do you think that people think that this is this is their monthly? I mean, their weekly uh, phone call with friends? Maybe I hope listeners, you do. We think of it that way. Yeah. 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 Well, this is part two of what's in your recovery toolbox. And originally, this was intended to be a single episode, but we started talking, as as good conversations go, we started talking about books, and that we we blew through uh, not only a bubble hour, but a bubble hour and a half. So this uh, this time (laughs) we're going to move on and finish the other topics on that show. We'll be uh, talking about things like comfort food, and beverages, self-care practices, and activities, and even some of our favorite music that motivates us. So starting with the, on the topic of things we like to eat and drink, um, one of the biggest surprises for me when I first quit drinking was my body's reaction to the sudden drop in sugar. And I have to say, I never really thought about how much um, simple carbohydrates I was taking in (laughs) uh, every night through drinking, you know, a lot of wine. And um, so my body was really on a cycle of of having this big mother load of sugar getting dumped into um, along with, you know, other things. It was was really the alcohol and the sugar. Um, And and when I stopped drinking, uh, you know, my body still not only wanted alcohol, but really the, the sugar crash was something I hadn't expected. And my body was like, you know what, it's 4 o'clock, tap, 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 let's start having our sugar here. So Mm -hmm. I developed this habit of buying these little ice cream balls that were like little chocolate-covered ice cream balls. And whenever I had that um, impetuous child voice in me that said, I want wine, I want wine, I would just go to the freezer and take one or two of those and I would just um, suck on those. And the reason that that helped was not only the sugar and the pleasing of ice cream, um, but also the fact that uh, ice cream really doesn't pair well with wine. So I've heard before that when you're craving something and you have something that doesn't go well with it, it sort of negates the urge to have it. So Hmm. those little ice creams were my secret weapon in early recovery, and uh, they were very, very helpful to me. And um, and then I started... um, realizing that I couldn't eat my heart's desire of ice cream for the rest of my life. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we talk about, in recovery, we talk about being careful that you're not um, playing whack-a-mole, which is, which is sort of a, a, a funny visual for the idea of just replacing um, one behavior with another. So I had to make sure that I wasn't just transferring all of my um, issues with alcohol over to food, um, which is pretty closely related, and I know there's another Bubble Hour episode on that. Um, so I, you know, I sort of had to eventually wean myself off the ice cream, which, as it turned out, was, you know, much easier than weaning myself off of the alcohol. Um, but that is probably one of my my biggest tips for people. If you like ice cream, or if there's something little like that that you like that you can just kind of have on hand and pop in your mouth, it's really handy. 
Um, what about you, Amanda? Do you have any special comfort foods that help you helped you early on and help you now? Well, <laughs> this, I um, ice cream was definitely my number one food, and um, for the first two and a half years, I had ice cream every single day, and that's a long time. Um, but that ice cream, it was it was really just. Um, it was just something, it just became a habit. It was my treat at the end of the day. I actually would have it every night, like, in bed and um, and then get up and brush my teeth. And, like, it was it was like a late-night thing. And even if I had had it earlier in the day, it was just, it was, I was, um, it was a compulsion. I was obsessed with it. And um, uh, uh, for kind of what you said, I, I allowed that for myself because I, you know, um, people had said, you know, it's a good replacement, and it was a good replacement. It was a treat for myself. Um, I knew exactly what I was doing. I mean, it definitely was a replacement for me. Um, and then, you know, I did, over the course of a winter, put on a, a ten, 10 extra pounds that I really, really didn't want. And so I finally made a change and did a um, a cleanse diet where, you know, you cut out dairy, sugar, and um, gluten. And so I had to go off the ice cream for 30 days. And um, I have to say, I felt a lot better. And it was also a diet that taught me how to eat better. So once I was able to eliminate that from my diet and make changes, I actually now I'm more, I have more of a obsession. Because I guess for me, it's always, there's always going to be somewhat of an obsession. But of finding things that are really good to eat, that are um that are healthy and and that I really enjoy. So um you know for example I went um you know it's always a challenge when you're having that type of a diet. I was at a, a restaurant and they had a tuna salad and there was no you know it was a salad with tuna fish on it but it, there was no mayonnaise and it was made with like olive oil and lemon juice and capers and kalamata olives and onion and it's it's absolutely delicious and it's um i figured out what was in it and i made it from it was just really good to eat and it's you know it's a it's a little find that uh you know a little thing that i found so now i guess um i enjoy um i because i like cooking too i i enjoy um having creative meals that are good for me make me feel good after i eat them um because one thing i learned during that time frame too was um that I enjoy meals a lot better if the meals that were better for me I actually felt good after I eating them where you know mm-hmm. the stuff that you know of course who doesn't like a you know a huge bowl of macaroni and cheese every once in a while but I usually don't feel good after eating that so I found a lot of pleasure in finding things that I could really um that really uh tickled my palate Amanda, do you find that you see that almost as self-care then, to eat well? Yeah, it actually it is self-care because I, you know, I I, I did I allowed myself, um, allowed myself to you know have the ice cream which which was also self-care that was you know, mm-hmm. um, soothing a part of me that you know was dealing with having a huge loss in my life. I mean, losing alcohol was a huge loss. I I didn't get drunk every day, but I drank every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it was, it, you know, sometimes it was one glass of wine. Or, no, I'd, okay, let's be honest here. Sometimes it was two glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was okay, ever one. Okay, by two glasses, by two glasses, two, I need two bottles. But they were bowls. glass bottles. Two sixteen-ounce yeah. glasses. <laughs> right, two pints, two solo exactly. cups. But that was it. That was strictly it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I did. Sorry. I mean, I did. I did. I definitely know you. That's dead on. <laughs> dead on, especially with me. I was right there. I had this. I had this one wine glass. It was and it was the cobalt blue glass, and it was just. It was a monster, and um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was. It was. It was definitely not for a. I don't know when they came out with that. With the four or five ounces of, is a serving. Back back when I was drinking, it was seven ounces, and even then I was like, seven ounces is a glass of wine? Are you kidding me? That's like a third of what I pour. <laughs> so every, every glass that I had was probably three servings by the uh, 
by the doctor's measures. But, um, yeah, so it was definitely self-care in the beginning with, you know, first with the ice cream, which was, you know, caring for my, I guess, for my brain. And then as I, you know, got a little bit more grounded in my sobriety and felt, you know, confident that I could take on a different challenge, um, you know, eating healthy and, you know, pretty routinely. I'm pretty, pretty, well, I still have, (laughs) I managed to work ice cream back into my diet. But, um, you know, but I really do enjoy eating better and actually exercising and doing other things to take care of myself now, too. That's great. Catherine, what's your comfort food? Well, so this this whole topic, first it is making me think back to what my food intake was like when I was drinking. And, you know, I never really thought of myself as, as having any sort of disordered relationship with food. But as we've talked about before on the show, you know, when you come from uh, a trauma background, you you have not necessarily, or anyway, this has been true for me, I have, I had not learned great self-care. And the way that presented for me was that, and this is still an issue for me, is that I don't, I don't recognize signals in my body until kind of it's too late. So like when your stomach is growling when you're hungry, that's actually like a later symptom of hungry. There's there's other signals that go off in your body. This is what I've been learning. So like I would just get really wrapped up in in work or you know whatever else or definitely drinking that was more interesting to me than eating and so then it would be like I'd be starving and then I'd be scarfing down bad food. So like I guess what I'm saying is is that I'm learning now in sobriety to recognize like when my body is hungry and actually remembering to feed it because of course we talked a lot before about our big triggers being halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired and right. hunger is a big, big trigger for me. And so then when if I don't recognize that I'm hungry and I'm and then doing something about it, you know, I can get myself into a red zone pretty fast. So when I first got sober I definitely had the same you know, relationship with sugar. And one of the things that I found as I was starting to pay attention to my body was um, how over the first, say, six months of sobriety, sugar changed it, it the moods that it created in me. It would, you know, I'd have these huge peaks and then major crashes and then I'd get really crabby and it was this bizarre thing. And I just said, whoa, okay. I think it was really important for me to not limit my sugar intake in the beginning. Um, I know a lot of times I hear from people in early sobriety who say, like, we can get very eager about self-improvement, right? I'm like, okay, now I'm going to get sober, and then I'm going to cut out (laughs) all sugar, all gluten. I'm never going to eat cheese again. I'm going to lose 15 pounds. I'm going to exercise every day. And it's sort of like, whoa, whoa, you know, we have to kind of, you know, keep it simple and take it easy and just sort of first sobriety. So I think for me that sugar was really important. But then I started noticing it would create this roller coaster. So I was able to cut it out for a while, and it kind of crept back in when I started eating bread more, and then it was like, oh, forget it. Now I'm noticing I'm kind of back in sugar mode which is interesting because I was always a salt head when I was drinking. I wasn't interested in dessert, but like pile on the salt. Now I'm I'm like I really notice how I you know kind of go for sugar in an emotional way. So that's just something that I notice. Um I'm definitely with Amanda in that when I'm when I'm eating better, that's what my body craves. So you know, that's definitely more where I should be. I don't think I am today, um, just being honest. Um, but as an overall thing that I've been learning in sobriety, I think that's that's really key. So the, the thing that I guess I would just mention is that if somebody's in early sobriety, like just your priority is staying sober and mm-hmm. with the food thing, Absolutely. like, you know what? 
eat the bag of potato chips if it's going to keep you sober today if you're in the first 90 days or something. Um, don't worry about it. It'll all kind of even out. And then, you know, be we're learning to to be in touch with ourselves and what we need to take care of ourselves rather than stuffing our emotions. And I can do that with food too and start shoveling food down my gullet to, you know, mm-hmm. tamp down anxiety. And so if right. I... If I'm if I ask myself why are you eating right now, if it's because I'm hungry, I usually want something better. If it's something emotional, it's it's usually that's when I'm like I want to put my face in a pie or like eat a sleeve of Oreo. <laughs> you know? Very interesting. It's a numbing <laughs> numbing technique. Do you exactly. find so? Yeah, go ahead. So finish finish your thought, Catherine. No, no, I I I just find that 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 questioning of why am I doing this, like questioning my motivation about what right. am I looking for by eating, uh, that usually reveals a lot. That's the whole, to me, that's the whole um, gear that my recovery turns on. It's when I'm doing something that is self-destructive in some way, and and it doesn't have to be horrendously self-destructive, but it can be, um, needless eating or overeating. It can be, um, uh, you know, shopping for things I don't need. I mean, even if I'm not buying mm-hmm. them, even just like that compulsion to to want to acquire and take on things and put things in my body and or um, you know um, paint my nails and fix things. Like it can. I think just that awareness of what am I trying to do right now? Like, am I honoring mm-hmm. my body if I'm putting food in it that I don't want, um, if if I'm putting food in it that I don't need. And that, to me, that's really the center of recovery is when we really start to get honest with ourselves about why am I doing this? What, Why am I feeling uncomfortable? Why? What do I actually need right now? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's that, you know, you need, um, well, HALT is, is, is the helpful acronym. So hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So I might need a rest. I might need a break from what I'm doing. I might need um, a piece of fruit or something nutritious. And your body sometimes will keep telling you you're hungry, which is why after you eat, you know, a cheeseburger and French fries from some place that's just full of preservatives, your body still wants more because it's like, yeah, thanks. You just dropped a blob of goo in my stomach, but <laughs> I still need some vitamins here. So keep now eating. I feel gross and I'm hungry. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's, uh, it really is listening to yourself and trying to listen to what you are actually needing, and then give yourself what you really do need. That's the whole secret. So there you go. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> the final word. Um Catherine, um you mentioned the salty food. Now I'm I'm curious um if if you both find that the things that you used to eat, you know, with alcohol like like nachos for me is a great example. It's pretty hard for me to not think of, you know, a beer or a margarita going with a big plate of nachos. And do you find that at all that that um the food that pairs well with alcohol, whether it's like um, cheese going with wine or, you know, peanuts going with beer versus um, fruit or something that wouldn't go as well with alcohol. Do you find that the salty stuff is more triggery for you or was early on? No, I, this is Catherine. I don't, I don't really have that experience, um, which is interesting because my husband and I you know, really do enjoy food and we're very interested in food and that was all wrapped up in wine for me and at first I thought oh how could I possibly experience these meals but the thing is is that the food I can actually taste it now and it tastes better so I don't get real triggery with with any of that and because I'm not hungover, I'm not running to the fast food joint to shovel a big blob of goo <laughs> Right into my stomach just to like make me feel semi-human again, you know. Mm-hmm. The fried egg sandwich. Oh my god, I used to love that. Yeah, I mean, remember those <laughs> hangovers. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't one of my favorite anymore. things. Uh, I find food that involves ritual. I find really comforting. So I've 
developed a habit of having an orange in the evening. So after supper, about an hour later, I'll cut an orange. And how it's cut is important, um, not in a, you know, obsessive, um, you know, not not in a mentally ill um, kind of way, but just like I enjoy (laughs) putting it on a nice plate and I kind of fold the napkin nice and just to be nice to myself, you know, rather than standing over the sink and, you know, just splashing my face with water to get the orange off of it, but to actually treat myself nicely when I when I give myself something. Um, so I really and, enjoy yeah, you, an orange in the evening. And then yeah, a cup that's of so tea. lovely, Jean. You've mentioned that before. You've mentioned this idea of you know food or coffee. You, you I think this is the last time you talked about it as ritual. And that's mm-hmm. that's a really lovely lovely thought. And. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm moving in with you. That's kind of yes, what I've, I've I've decided. Like, <laughs> I'll be I'll Let be right there. You. Because, yes, <laughs> I have my grandmother's teacups. I just just four of them, and they were you know in a china cabinet or in a they were wrapped up for a long time, and then they were behind glass in a china cabinet. And one day I thought, what am I going to do with these? Like, give them to my kids who don't even remember my grandmother and never drank tea with her with these cups. And I just thought, I'm using these. So now um, I have a little cappuccino maker. And so I, instead of using an espresso cup, I actually use my grandmother's teacups for my espresso. And um, and I love that they're being used and, I, and, and that it makes me feel um, that I'm doing something nice for myself. And Well, that's so gorgeous. And, and the other thing that that makes me think of is that when I was drinking, I just didn't care about anything. It was just sort of like, yeah. oh, whatever. I just, I didn't care about anything. That's, that's a hard thing for me to say because that didn't necessarily feel true. But, like, I just didn't care. And so You probably cared idea, about what you were drinking and how you were drinking it. I cared a <laughs> lot about that. And that was maybe the only thing that really... When I was in the middle of it, it's definitely when I was, like, actually doing the drinking. But even if, you know, the next day it would kind of be like, oh, whatever. And I just, there was so much I didn't care about. And so I guess the reason that you mentioning the China teacups makes me think of, like, that's a real tangible way of re-engaging with life, with memory, with emotions that you had around your relationship with your grandmother like it's a real it's plugging back into life Mm -hmm. in a way that I just I don't know about you but I just really was not plugged in and there's so there's a whole lot I'm hearing a whole lot wrapped up in that yeah you're right you're right that's very true and on the topic of tea tea seems to be a very big deal (laughs) (laughs) um I, I think it's partly the ritual I think we talked about this a little bit last time too, right? It's the whole, your palate sort of comes back to life and you discover that there's other things that you enjoy. And and um, I think we can transfer some of the um, feelings of being a connoisseur and having a refined palate or whatever we told ourselves we were doing. Um, these lovely tea shops that have popped up with the beautiful cups and all the selections and the sampling and all of that, that's a, that's a great transfer of interest. And you could not have got me to drink drink a cup of tea back in the wine days because that would cut into my wine time. I mean, why why on earth would I want to do mm-hmm. that? Coffee is for morning, wine is for afternoon slash evening. So where does tea fit into that? But now after my orange, then the next thing I do is I make myself a big, lovely cup of tea. And I, I use a herbal tea so that I'm getting lots of water into my body, which... When we're drinking alcohol all the time, it's depleting us of, of water and also we think we're quenching our thirst. Sometimes I wonder if I didn't drink more even because I was thirsty and I wasn't ever drinking water. So um, my evening cup of tea is really, it sort of serves a few purposes all at once. And that's not in one of those little tiny teacups, let me tell you that. That is in a big ceramic mug <laughs> that no one else is allowed to use. Right, and Catherine, you had well, I, you had a, a story, didn't you, about tea? Yeah. So this this girlfriend of mine in recovery, and and we were 
talking one night about some challenges that she had going on in her life, and she said, oh, forget it. I'm just going to go drink some effing tea and go to bed. And it was so (laughs) funny and so true and such a sort of beacon of recovery for me and for us that it's it's just sort of taken on a life of its own that – you know, now that's just, it's a gift that I like to give people, you know, here's some effing tea to, (laughs) you know, inspire you to keep calm and carry on, you know, um, you can, it's not that we want you to drink tea angry, but, um, (laughs) I just thought it, I thought it was just so funny of like, there is another way when you're frustrated, about your life or when you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or challenged, sometimes our first reaction can be like, why can't I just escape and drink a glass of wine? It's like you can drink a cup of tea and that, that action will snap your tiny little, you know, monkey mind out of the direction of wanting something alcoholic to drink. And you're, you're off in a new direction because you're physically putting the pot on to boil and you're, making the tea and now you're suddenly drinking tea instead and it can you know help you stay the course i want to mm-hmm. tell you something that i discovered last night <clears throat> that i think everyone really needs to know this uh <laughs> are you ready yeah We're ready with cream on your tea well i don't know <laughs> you know you put milk and sugar in your tea so we know that that's good but last night my son was over and I made him some kind of fruity tea and just, I don't know why, but I put whipped cream on it. And, and if it's there, like, I'm I'm being extra super nice to you. If it's gross, I'll make you a new cup. And, yeah, we determined that it's fantastic. And, of course, it's great. Why wouldn't you do that? And, in fact, I think I'm even starting to think maybe ice cream in tea could be kind of fabulous too. So. And and I'd also, Amanda, I'd like to note that she made the tea for her son. Like, I think this proves we need to move there. <laughs> well, Maybe she'll make know, us We're tea. talking about codependence coming up here. And <laughs> yeah. That's another program. That program is coming wow. up in a couple of weeks. Codependence. Mark your calendars, <laughs> listeners. Oh, it's all about the wow, that Well, let's move on to that. Did I cut you off? Go ahead. Um, I was going to talk about... I was was just going to add a couple things to the tea. (laughs) Oh, you there? Please, please do. Yes, Amanda. Okay. Uh, Well, I was just laughing. Well, for one, for for me, like the ritual, at the end, my drinking had no ritual. (laughs) So there was like, there was no replacement ritual. So when people were talking about tea, I'm like, Whatever. I, you know, I, I, I've seen this going, you know, on, on our, on, in our online group for over a year, and people talk about tea, and I'm like, yeah, 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 but I, um, I actually didn't even probably ever have tea except for, you know, when you're sick or something, until I went on that, um, the 30-day cleanse, and they tell you to have green tea, which is, you know, really by itself is really not that tasty or and not that wonderful, and also, um. It just it just wasn't anything special. So people with you know they're talking about tea, and all I had had was green tea, and it was like a detox green tea. And I'm sitting here going, why do you people like there was tea no whipped cream so on that tea? <laughs> and there was no whipped cream, and there was no ice cream, which I was just laughing. I'm laughing at that because that's me. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh, tell me to put ice cream in something. Although I would not do that to my ice cream. Ice cream is far too precious to let melt <laughs> in tea. Let's just let's go on record with that, okay? <laughs> but um, but I actually had like a chai tea or what? What is it? I don't even know because I'm not into it. But I had um, I was at a friend's house and they had yeah, it's a, the chai tea, and I was like, this is the best stuff ever. I I love it. So I have learned to love effing tea, and I never in a million years thought that I would. But I actually enjoy it now, and I just discovered peppermint tea, and that's um, actually very good for your tummy, and um, it's my new thing, and I just, yeah, I never in a million years thought that I would like effing tea, and I do. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> but I mostly had to Look say that I would never know. Look at you changing and growing. 
I know. I also, but it's also when I quit smoking, um, I upped my tea intake because I also, you know, they also recommend um, using the detox tea for that because, you know, there's different types of teas that help you get rid of toxins in your body. um, And so I did that. And what I would do for the ones that, you know, were, and I don't know if this is the right thing to do or not, but it had a specific function and I didn't love the taste so much as I would add one. I would put two two tea bags. I'd put a tea bag for something that I knew would taste good to me as well. So How's the not-smoking not going? I'm still not smoking. I quit smoking on March 4th. I, I smoked Yay. for 30 years. I cannot believe it. And I, and I really so have happy. no desire. Yeah, Amanda, I've heard that time. when you smoke for that long after you quit, um, it takes some time, but that you start to um, your sense of smell and taste improve over time. Oh, it has. It it definitely has. Already, it I'm has. Sure it will get even. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's just so much has improved. It's amazing. I, I'm just oh, I'm good so I couldn't be happier about it. I love it. Good woman. <laughs> So oh, I, will, I think the next. Go ahead, Jean. I was going to move on to music. Is that where is that where you were headed, Catherine? Yeah, great, great minds think alike. Because I, I, if that's the next topic, I wanted to start with you since you're the musician in the group. Um, do you have any favorite songs that you like or that you listen to or play? You know, I think. Um, I'm, I'm certainly, be, be, because I am a performing musician or was a performing musician, because I've sort of put that on hiatus, um, I'm not sure that that, people always expect me to have like these really amazing um, perspectives on this, but I think everybody's the same. I think we all feel a certain way when we hear songs that we love, and whether it's in the shower or in your car or in front of an audience, we all feel really great when we're belting out a song that we love. So... When it comes to music that is meaningful to me, I, there's there's some songs that I really love to hear, and then there's other songs that I really love to sing. So mm. one of my favorite songs to hear is um, is a song by the Alabama Shakes called Hold On. And I can't sing it because the, the lead singer of that band has such a powerful, amazing voice. It's like Florence and the Machine, too. You know, any of those songs where they have a huge range, you don't want, no no one wants to hear you sing along with that. <laughs> but listening to it really gives me a great feeling. Um and the song that I love to sing and and when um when I'm upset or bothered or need, you know, a, a time out by myself, I will pick up my guitar and I almost always the first song I play is a song by Jan Arden. She's a Canadian artist. Have you heard of Jan Arden? No. I don't think oh, so. Okay. Well, you got to go on the Google and find Miss Arden. Jan Arden is her name, and she sings a song called Free. And the opening lines are, It's like I faded, like a curtain in the sun, like the clouds I've fallen from. And she talks. then she talks about losing herself and getting herself back. And the chorus says, um, uh, I'm cutting my bangs and I'm tearing down paper and um, I'm I'm free, you know. She just talks about just ripping out all the old, and so that's my anthem. That's my anthem that I love. Wow. And mm. uh, when I hear it, uh, maybe maybe Jan doesn't sing it as good as I do. I don't know. I just like singing it. I'm kidding. She's fabulous. But I I just did a guest blog um, for a blog called Running on Sober, and they're running a series right now of asking different guests to tell their life story in six songs. And I spent oh the my whole gosh, afternoon. Oh my I love that! Wow. Yeah, Running on Sober is the is the blog. If you search that, I'll shout out to Christy is the is the writer of that blog, and it's a really interesting series. But the reason I mention it. Um, is because I, I really encourage everyone to sit down and try to do that. Six songs. I mean, it's easy to pick 30 songs you love, but which six songs describe a chapter in your life? So if you could tell wow. you. So that's your assignment for this week is um, hmm. to listeners and hosts alike to, to give yourself that okay. gift. Okay. down. And, and uh, I did it with YouTube open, and when I think of a song, I would... I would um, 
run the video and and uh, you know kind of close my eyes and think about what what was going on for me at that time in my life. It was a really wonderful exercise. And I, I also love asked. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your responses on that. But we also have um, our online group. I I kind of threw out there to ask people what their favorite songs were or what their what their anthem was. And there was a very long and varied list. But Florence and the Machine um, with Shake It Out. You know that song? Shake It Off. Shake mm-hmm, it off. Mm-hmm. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back, so shake it off. Uh, that was probably one of the number one picks. And um, another one that was really popular on that list was the song uh, Brave. That's another good one for the shower or the car. So that's Sarah Bariella's song, I Want to See You Be Brave. And uh, Katy Perry. I think there was probably ten different Katy Perry songs that came up. Those were some of the hmm. most popular ones. And it was really interesting um, to just go through and, and um, hear everybody really feel strongly. It, music is really, really motivating, isn't it? Are you, mm-hmm. both of you have songs that, that um, speak to you or, or get you get your heart pumping? How about you, Amanda? Um, I have a bunch. I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's like the, you know, a current song or something that just, just, um, kind of gets me up and dancing. And to me, that's, that's, um, it isn't, in that case, it's not so much the song. It's about how I feel, the freedom that I feel of being sober and, um, you know, just being able to, um, you know, sometimes I'm dancing in the car. Actually, I've been doing this lately and I'm like, I dance better. And this is so, I can't believe I'm saying this on the air. But I'm like, I dance better because, like, I'm not falling down. And it's just, I I do yes. because I'm happy. It's coming from deep in my soul. And, and and it's like, yeah, tell me I can't have fun when I'm um, sober. And, you know, I just have so much more fun being sober. So it's like this whole um, goofy thing. And I do. I totally dance around in my car. And, um, and my ringtone is blurred lines. I don't care, like, you bet there's all this controversy about it. It just makes me happy. Um, so that's that's one of them. But then um, it's actually a, a, in some ways you would think of it as a sad song. But my when my mom was sick and she had a song that she considered her anthem, which was um, Keep on Smiling by Wet Willie. And there's, you know, it's, it's just a bluesy song. And it's just, I don't know, it just it, it makes me cry sometimes. But it also just, um, it's just, you know, it just makes me happy. You know, keep on smiling. Like, you can get through anything and, you know, it'll be okay. And um, and it's actually, it's not a super happy song, but it's it's about perseverance and getting through things. So that's, um, I, I think of that still as, you know, as my anthem, which I adopted from my mom, which I think she, you know, for her, that was her, song to help her get through, you know, what she was going through in her fight against cancer. So, oh, that's wow. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. How about you, Catherine? Well, I was thinking, you know, definitely since I got sober, the music that I listen to is less morose. Um, you know, I was always I was always sort of, you know, into the really grim and lonely um music and that I just don't find myself drawn to that anymore. Mm. Um I will share my anthem with you and it it may be controversial and that's okay because I am a proud Barry Manilow fan. Yes I am. <laughs> You're and, too young for that. Not Andy, is it? No. <laughs> I, no, but now you know. For you, it it should be Mandy, Amanda. But no, I I did see him in in Radio City Music Hall last time he came here, and um, he's he's looking a little stiff because he's had problems with his hips. But uh, I'm gonna tell you this right now. I made it through the rain. It's uh. very <laughs> much an anthem for me that. Uh, you know, and I, I felt myself connected to the other two, got rained on too, and made it through. You know, I mean, come on. So 
the other berry. Yeah, you got to love bear with me. Yeah, exactly. I just saw last night um, Emmy Lou Harris in concert, and she sings a song um, called Deeper Well that it always was sort of haunting to me um, before I got sober because it's very much about being in addiction and looking for the water from a deeper well. And, um, you know, then at the end she's drinking from a water from a, you know, from like the real well. Um, so hearing it live and now that I'm sober was like, whoa. So that was pretty emotional for me. And then, uh, Jean, you mentioned Sarah Bareilles and I have to say, I really like the song, who cares, you know, who cares if you disagree, you're not me. Um, yeah who died and made you the king of everything. I think that's, I don't know mm-hmm. what the song is actually called. And it's such a cheerful um, melody. Who cares? Yeah, it's great. And what I, the reason that resonates with me is that I think we hear this a lot um, from people, particularly in early sobriety, where it's like, oh, my partner or my friends or my family, they're telling me that, you know, I'm not really an alcoholic, but like I know there's a problem. Or, you know, I was I was at a work event and somebody embarrassed me by, you know, calling out that I wasn't drinking. Or, and so that's why I like that song. That it's like, who cares what if you disagree if you if you don't think I have a problem with alcohol because I drank in secret. Like I know me. You're you know who died and made you king of everything. Like, so it's like listening to yourself and uh, not letting other people try to tell you something different. That's so core to my my sobriety is, like, listening to my my truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just, I like that song. And actually, I think there's a lot of power in what we listen to. I, I have a son who's 17, and he spends a lot of time with his headphones on. And I'm always saying, like, put that music on the speaker. I want to hear what you're hearing, which... He, he, he doesn't understand that. I think sh- the sharing of music is, has now become a generational thing, and um, that uh, by which I mean, you know, the younger generation doesn't share their music in a group the way that we did, and so it's it's an individual experience instead of a shared experience. And sometimes as I hear, I can hear the, you know, when you're in the room with someone who's listening on headphones, kind of loud, you can kind of hear the of what they're listening to, and so. I think, wow, that sounds like angry music. Like, I feel like he's marinating his brain in anger right now, you know, and I just want to get in there with some of my happy, happy stuff. I think we have to be careful about that, about what we're putting in. And I do think that it can it can have a positive effect. I think if we, if we um, are going for a walk and the sun is shining and the birds are singing and we're listening to some sad, sad or negative um, or angry music, or even music that takes us back to a certain time that you know made us feel a certain way. There's, you know, that can have an effect on you. So I really think if you sit down with the intent of creating a playlist that's going to empower you and give you positive thoughts, and even as you said, Amanda, a song like what was the song you said that that's kind of controversial, blurred line. Or, oh yeah, no blurred lines. Blurred lines yeah. Oh, blurred lines. You said yeah. that one earlier, and because it's kind of like, kind of a sleazeball song, but everybody <laughs> likes that song, right? Like, I, I mean, if, if that song makes you feel happy, and um, and it doesn't make you feel like angry about, you know, that guy did a bad thing, or you know, if, as long as it gives you positive feelings when you hear it, then that's a good song to be listening to. So I, I, I don't know. I think that we we should be choosy and we can give ourselves a little bit of a gift. Like I do think that's a tool that we can put in our toolbox is just a simple playlist that's our happy playlist, you know, that's our empowering one. So it might be worth a half hour at at the computer to sort of sort your music out into what's going to work for you. And I have a little app on my phone. I think it's called Songza, and I'm sure there's other apps like this that you can put in what you're doing and what kind of mood you want to evoke, and it'll just give you a list of music. It'll just start playing um, the music to go with that. So Whoa. you could say, like, studying and, and uh, you know, cheerful, and, and it'll give you, it'll, it'll just 
create a playlist. Um, like, okay. It'll stream that music. So you don't have to download it. You don't have to buy it. It's a free app, and it, it's, a, it's sort of like a almost like an online radio kind of thing that, that has music going based on what parameters you put into it. That's awesome. I was just thinking That's if cool. you're going to make your playlist, you know, it would take me a lot longer than half an hour. And if you're in very early sobriety and you're thinking to myself, well, Sunday nights I listen to the bubble hour to keep me from drinking, but what am I supposed to do every other night of the week aside from listening to bubble hour reruns? Maybe making your playlist yeah. could be a little, mm-hmm. a little activity. That sounds That's like a, a great good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just because we keep saying it, I have to mention um, Sober by Tool, which is one of my favorites, which I know is it's a very hard song, but, um, you know, sometimes that is the mood that I, it doesn't, it doesn't put me in a bad mood. It puts me in a, actually a great mood. So, um, but we're talking about toolboxes and being sober again and again, so that, that's another thing. <laughs> I'm going to have to relish that song after we're done, because I can't think of how it goes. Um, Amanda, can you sing it for us? No, <laughs> you don't want that. I don't even try. Nope. <laughs> oh, I was teasing. I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about some of the activities that we find um, support our recovery. Um, I was going to throw out for a few uh, of the things that I like to do that I really have found that um, – Busyness for the sake of busyness fueled my addiction, but mm-hmm. activity that's intentional and purposeful fuels my recovery. And I, I'm I'm amazed at how I can really make my day go well or not just on what I choose to put into those 24 hours. And um, we know that boredom is dangerous. Um, in early recovery or in moments of, you know, trial or when, we, when we're feeling weak. Um, loneliness can be dangerous. And it's also important, though, not to overschedule yourself so that you are feeling, like, stressed out and exhausted. So there's sort of ends of the spectrum. We have to be intentional about choosing good things and about just creating some lovely space in our calendar, too, I can't remember who I heard just say this on the radio the other day, but that she has a new, uh, she said, I have a new secretary, and the secretary actually puts on my schedule uh, blocks of time that say, um, you know, this time is for you to do whatever you need to get done, and that no meetings can be booked in that time because she's, you know, scheduled it off, and that's something we can all do for ourselves. So with that in mind, Mm -hmm. these are some of the things that I really find quite helpful the most important thing is is fitness and i am not a natural athlete if you see me running it looks sometimes i think people might want to stop and offer me first aid when they see me running (laughs) (laughs) it's not graceful (laughs) it's not lovely but (laughs) but i get out there and i i do just to be outside and moving around, whether it's walking, running, or anything like that, is a great way to connect with the sky and with the fresh air and to just give yourself that gift of movement and, and activity. And there's lots of endorphins that get released. So that's one of them. Um, but I don't really push the fitness because, I, you know, that everyone has different opinions about it. And when when you're not interested in fitness, which I wasn't for a long time, I would just roll my eyes when someone said, oh, I'm really into fitness, and I'd think, oh, yay, good for you. Uh, <laughs> go away. <laughs> someone that says they like Brussels sprouts, right? Like, oh, that's nice for you. Let's move on. But but anything you do for your body I think is good for your, for your soul. Um, I have a book club that I go to that I really, really love. I know book club for a lot of women is synonymous with drinking alcohol. God, I think gave me the gift of somehow connecting me with this group of women that nobody pours the wine. It's often there and often nobody has it. It's just a it's just a lovely group of women and so I guess maybe the other word for that is just finding some friends and just some people to connect with. And um and cleaning. Hey you guys I had a cleaning lady for probably fifteen years. It was one of those things I always made room for in the budget. Like I would eat 
I would eat, um, you know, macaroni and cheese if I had to so that I had some money for someone to come and clean my house because that was part of my problem was that things had to be perfect all the time. And one of the first things that I did when I um, got into recovery was that I fired the cleaning lady. Sorry, bless her heart, but I just knew I needed some positive busyness. And I have found that I love caring for my home, caring for my surroundings. So those are some of the Simple, basic things that I love, but just connecting with good people and um, taking care of my myself and taking care of my surroundings, and you know, making tea for my children and for you, Catherine, when you <laughs> when you come to live <laughs> when I move in with you, <laughs> when you move in, yeah, with me, I'll paint your toenails and make you tea. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing. Like you said, it's really kind of about connecting again. I think if I couldn't. If I couldn't have a glass of wine with whatever I was doing in the past, I didn't enjoy it because I had moved into that sort of mental obsession. And mm-hmm. I'm really just reconnecting with the joys of just little everyday things and and um, making time for them and and um, and remembering to enjoy them as I do them. That's that's what I really find are great things. So Catherine, what are some of your favorite activities that support your recovery? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably worth just mentioning kind of how I view the key to long-term sobriety. And the first thing is really making it a priority. Um, So every single day, I mean, I, I just, I have to make it a priority. And that includes talking with other people in recovery every day, um, you know, sharing with them and having fellowship and just making sure that I'm connected um, is a really important thing. And, you know, I'm just I'm finding how much of an isolator I really was, how introverted I can be, um, how hard it is for me to connect with people and, you know, in an authentic way. So I'm really learning how to reach out that this is something that's happening for me right now. I'm, I'm connecting with another person in recovery. Um, you know, and also I, I have to say that we've talked about gratitude on the show. So, you know, the gratitude list is a big part of it. And, um, you know, doing service, uh, that's just, just a quick way out of my head. So I just thought it was really important to mention, those things, but um, I'm definitely with you on the running as a moving meditation. That's just something mm-hmm. that has has really been helpful for me. And then, and this kind of goes back to the music thing. I'm really finding out I'm reconnecting with who I actually am. And I was reflecting on something this weekend that when I was about 18, or even you know 16, 17, 18 this really interesting creative group of friends and we used to avail ourselves of the arts that were in the town where I grew up which was a small city and um, you know we used to go to see the opera at student prices and we used to go to the ballet and see theater and see art house movies and I loved all of this stuff and I used to say when I was drinking, like, wow, I was so cool when I was 17, and now you know, I'm a loser. What do I do? Well, because I didn't do anything. All You know, my priority was, like, you know, figuring out how I was going to work drinking, and I just – I also was a workaholic. So all I did was work, which made me feel sorry for myself, so then I drank, and the cycle continued. So now, you know, I sort of announced to my husband that we're going to, you know – avail ourselves of the arts and now this is the arts are back and so we've seen all kinds of concerts all kinds of plays some of them terrific some of them less so um you know we're we're going to um different museums in the area and just really trying to get back to some of those things that inspire me um so i feel like i'm more myself which oddly is kind of going back to who I was all along and that I just covered up for a long time. Um, so those are kind of the things that 
came to me. So th- that's what interests me, but that could be anything for anybody listening. You know, whatever really makes your heart sore, um, go try it. And if you're like, well, I don't have any time, I mean, I I used to tell myself that too, but it was really because I was like, I needed to have five glasses of wine and where did the time go? What you just said about, about getting back to yourself, I heard a quote one time about how we're fully ourselves at 12 years old and we spend the, the next 20 years after that trying to cover it up and then the 20 years huh. after that trying to dig it back out again. Mm. <laughs> and isn't that That's really interesting? Yeah, it is. interesting. When you're young enough to to not be so self-aware and self-critical, you just are who you are as a child, and you're really you really know yourself for just a glimmer of an instant. And I think it's so scary that we, you know, we start piling on the armor. But yeah, Catherine, I mean, what I, I did Amanda, in well, I was ahead, just, I'm sorry, I was just going to say like when I first got sober. I I had already twice read this book called Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life by Greg Lavoie. And I had read it twice, and I knew about a workshop that he put on, and I kept saying, oh, I'm too busy, I can't do it, I can't do it. Additionally, I was really interested in fiction writing, and there's this local university would put on classes that you could take, and, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. And the first thing I did when I got sober was sign up for both of those things and do them right away. And the class was actually great because I had homework, so I was too busy to go out. I didn't have to make excuses. But so that's the kind of thing, like something that you've been putting off or that you always thought you'd be like, oh, I'd love to take trapeze classes. Like, go sign up, (laughs) you know, do it. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. How about you, Amanda? Um, I guess I would say the same type of things. I mean, some I mean some basic sober activities are you know recovery meetings and um, definitely talking to an alcoholic friend every day um, or several. Um, so those are you know some basic pastimes. But I um, I I also am doing you know just different things, just doing things I guess in general like. Um, I mean, just a little thing. My cousin texted me last week and said, "Hey, are are you busy today? Any chance you can, um, you know, watch his daughter?" And so I said, "Yeah, sure." You know, and it, it you know, no hesitation. And and it, you know, he was actually his his um, his girlfriend was working, and so and he had a rugby game that he really wanted to do. So I went to the rugby game with his daughter, and we watched the game and played on the playground while he played the game and. It was just it was an it was a beautiful day. We were outside. It was just it was just a, a nice thing. So just getting up and doing things when people say, Hey, do you want to do this? It it used to be like, Oh, well, you know, is there gonna be booze there? And turns out <laughs> I I didn't know this, that rugby is like just it's just all booze. It was, you know, in the early in the uh, I don't even know if it was noon yet, but it doesn't matter. Um, I would have loved it. Who knew back then? But I wouldn't have tried it because I would have been like, well, you know, there's no obvious mm-hmm. way to drink at that event. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it was definitely everything I did had to. I had to know that alcohol was going to be available, or I wouldn't do it. And now it's it's kind of I just have total freedom to go do whatever. You know, people say, you know, do you? Someone will say to me, you know, do you want to go? You know go down and check out the beach today and that's something I would just do. Just pick up and pick up and do, go to the beach, you know, just go walk around and I guess it's just participating in life. I don't have any specific thing, but I was, you know, I was driving down the road with my friend last night and we saw a sign for um, you know, there's a museum and they they have a, you know, a, a certain collection in for the month of um of April and it's like oh well we'll have to go back and see that and you know just things I wouldn't have thought to do and then we talked about mm-hmm. going to the Museum of Fine Arts and the Elizabeth Gardner Museum and it's like wow I haven't been to those places in forever and I'm really I'm really into art I I got most artistic in high school you know I'm I'm I was going to go to art school but I forget about those things because they don't serve booze there <laughs> you know it's <laughs> just, just things I just wasn't I I had no interest in. In whatsoever, you, you um, and exercise has become life. a new thing. That. What's that? 
I, I just wanted to echo Amanda's words, participating in life. I, I just wrote that yeah. down. Mm-hmm. That, is, yeah. that is so true. And it, you but said I'm you're you're getting back into fitness? Yeah. Yeah, getting into fitness, which is something that um I mean I'm I'm I've never really had to and you know, I have the genes that I'm I'm pretty much thin, so it's never been um you know, a big effort for me to stay slim, so it it's never been a focus for me, but you know, now I really am like I said with the um you know, going from indulging in all the sweets and you know, gaining a couple of pounds, but you know, losing losing the the few pounds, but um, even more so, gaining an appreciation for the type of things that I'm eating. You know, and how they make me feel. I guess as you get older too, you know, food really does have food, and the thing, you know, if whether you exercise or not, really does impact you even more when you're a little bit older. And you know, it so it does make a difference to me. I like feeling good, um, mm-hmm. and you know, so and I'm enjoying exercising, and I. I have very, very little time. Um, I, I feel like I'm always running from one thing to another, and forever I, you know, have been like, oh, I don't have time to go to the gym or I can't find time. And a friend of mine said, well, you don't find time. It's not a pencil. You have to make time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, not a pencil. <laughs> no, he said you'll never find it. It's not a pencil. I'm like, oh, okay, good point. I get it. Mm-hmm. So I, so goofy. I, I, I downloaded some YouTube videos and I do my videos. But I'm doing something. I mean, I, 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 I don't see myself getting to the gym right now. So I do like three video and they're like three 10 minute videos so it's a half hour workout and it's a pretty focused workout and i'm sore so it's doing something you know it's um absolutely yeah so i'm and then i'm enjoying it and i also got i have a stand-up desk at work you guys have probably heard me so i stand up all day at work and then i got there's a balance mat which is just it's like this round thing and it's essentially flat but it, it it tips enough that you have to you're uh, you have to tighten your core all day long, and so I'm standing on that for almost the whole day now. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so not there. I'm so not there. <laughs> so I can picture the safety officer do. coming and giving you a mouth guard. I'm just worried about you falling and hitting your teeth. <laughs> I know. Oh it's my kind gosh. Of scary. I'm going to send you that. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of our hour. So I I just want to quickly recap a couple things because some recurring things came up, really. Self-care and time, that really um, when you free up all the time you used to spend drinking and used to spend focused on alcohol or removed from being engaged in life, sobriety really gives us the gift of time to reconnect with the world and to discover new indulgences and to discover things that we might have tricked ourselves into thinking we're boring or not interesting are actually uh, newly wonderful and, and newly discovering, So, or uh, new discoveries for us. So I think we've come across some really great um, ideas for our listeners and for ourselves. I really encourage everyone to sort of give some time and some thought to some of the things we talked about. And I also invite our listeners to comment on our website under this uh, podcast, if you have anything you want to add to it or if you found something that we talked about really helpful and, and want to let us know that, we would love to hear from you there. Um, Amanda and Catherine, do you have anything to add? I don't well, think this so. is Catherine. I, I, just, I think that I, all I want to say is that it's, it just is a great reminder of how excited I am to be sober. I mean, really, it's, it is just so much better and if anybody out there is wondering, you know, how to get sober, how to stay sober, and if it's feeling overwhelming to you, like, just try these some of these one little things to plug into who you really are and just next right action, it always, it will build up and just get better and better. I mean, being, re, being actually engaged in my life or re-engaged in my life has been um, an enormous gift. So this is a this right. is a great reminder to me today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank yes, you, absolutely. Amanda. I completely agree with that. I was like, oh no, I have nothing else to say. But no, I I I I I agree. Um, and there's it's just 
there's so much to enjoy um, in life. And, you know, it, I, my life was so small when I was drinking, and it's just not small anymore. My life is big, mm-hmm. and there's endless possibilities. And, um, you know, I just I really enjoy life today. And I, I really, you know, I thought when I was drinking, I just really thought that my life would be over when I stopped drinking. I did not know how to enjoy life without drinking, and now I really can't imagine drinking. I just can't. It's just it, I just don't have any time for it. Um, Isn't that just the irony of recovery? We can't imagine our life mm-hmm. without alcohol, and then you take it out, and you realize, wow, I, I can't imagine going back to that jail that I was in. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such an encouraging note for our listeners to, to leave tonight's show on. I want to thank you both so much. I always learned so much from you two, and and, um, I always look forward to putting into practice things that I pick up from you as we chat on the bubble hour. Um, Listeners, I want to ask you to take a moment and visit the website of our parent organization, which is shiningstrong.org. That's www.shiningstrong.org. And there you will find links to our other websites that include Crying Out Now, And you can also learn about our other activities and events that we participate in for recovery advocacy. Catherine and Amanda, thank you so much for tonight. Thank Thank you, you, Jean. Jean. It was a great show. Yeah, it was great. And thanks to all of our listeners, and we will see you next time on the Bubble Hour. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good Good night. night.